And then I went to some the, the city council meetings and uh, I dug into things a little bit more, talked to some people and thought, okay, uh, the city of Bloomington needs to be blown open. We need to have a much more open process. Mm -hmm. The good old boy, good old gal network of the past uh, and some of the powerful special interests that had dominated the city could not do so as we were a changing, thriving, dynamic city moving forward. Uh, and I can say on that account, uh, I think we've succeeded. Three, two, one, here we go from the Play Normal Esports Studio. This is Pod BN. I am Tyson talking here today to Mayor Terry Renner, who stopped by to chat. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Normal Gadgets. I had a personal great experience with Normal Gadgets recently. Pulled out an old cell phone to give to my five year old. Turned out it was password protected and we forgot the password and could not reset it because one of the buttons was broken on the top of it. Brought that in, and um, the people here fixed me up real quickly. Only cost me $35 to get that fixed, much cheaper than buying a new iPod. And um, after that, then, the wireless wasn't working on it, and they had this idea to warm it up. And apparently warming it up reset the wireless router, and then, boom, it connected and is in great working shape. No charge for that. So if you're having any try to trouble with your... Um, with your electronics, with your phones, old or new, people here at Normal Gadgets know what they're doing. Bring your stuff in and um, get them fixed up. Get your gadgets back to normal. And with that, I will welcome Terry to the show. Hey, Terry, how you doing? Thank you very much. I'm doing fine. Great, cool. to, great to be here, Tyson. Thanks for coming into our, uh, our studio here to, to chat with us a little bit. Glad to be here. So, Thank you. So I know you do a lot of this stuff. You go on GLT um, after the... Uh, after the council meetings, and you, uh, you know, you're all and JBC just to oh and WJBC. <laughs> see, they don't put stuff out on a podcast so anymore. So I see. Um, I, they don't go to iTunes anymore. So I miss out on that stuff. Uh, but um, anyway, so I, well, I, they got to get with the program. I think I know they used to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, um, please send me a message on on Podbean. I'd love yeah. to listen to them again. Uh, but uh, I kind of wanted to, to I wanted to have you on to take a step back from those like day to day issues, the the controversial topics that are going on, and just Talk oh, please. Thank you so much. Okay. So uh, just wanted to, like, kind of hear more about, like, what it's what it's like to be a mayor, what your experiences have been like, and um, just kind of see where we're, we're going with that. So um, so assuming that sounds good, can you tell me a little bit, start off, like, you've been mayor for six years now? Is six right? and a half. Six and a half? Who's counting? Yeah. So what does is, what is the mayor of Bloomington do? What is that job? Well, you know, in, in theory, and of course, according to law and, and the Illinois state constitution, and this is not atypical in other the other 49 states, this is the mayor is a chief elected executive officer. Now, that can vary in some communities. Uh, in some cases, the mayor is the, the council member who got the highest amount of votes. That's the case, for example, in Beverly Hills, California. And they're usually there for a year or two years. Uh, in some communities, more often than not, the mayor is separately elected, just like they are in Bloomington Normal and most all cities in the state of Illinois. Now, their formal powers, of course, vary quite dramatically, depending upon the place or 
the relationship with the council. In normal, for example, everybody has the same constituency. Everybody is elected, and everybody votes for the entire normal town council as well as the mayor. In Bloomington, the only person that runs citywide is the mayor. So the council members have nine different wards, about 9,000 people apiece. And so that inherently produces a structure in which you do have some differences of opinion and possible conflict. And that's regardless of who the mayor is and who the council members happen to be, because they're going to have different perspectives and they're going to see the world differently. They're going to get different responses than the mayor. For example, I get three to 500 emails or so a day, and we do have our communications person who goes through those things. And that's, you, you may get, I don't know how many the council members get, maybe you get a dozen. I don't know. So, mm-hmm. so some of those things are, are kind of inherent. But what does actually the mayor do? Well, on a daily basis, it all depends. It depends on Wait, what day it is. Can I pause you sure. real quick? So you said three to five, three to four hundred a day. Is that all from like people in town here? Or oh no, no, that, that, that's that's everything. Some people okay. trying. Some sometimes there are other mayors. Sometimes they are people who are just trying to send political messages out to all mayors. And of course, I'm on a list. Um, and they would and they'd be metro mayors. Metro mayors are usually those that have a are in a metropolitan statistical area, and they're the central city mayor. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of that. People who want to sell you stuff, and that's where you just go delete, 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 <laughs> delete. And so there are a wide variety. And then some of them may be people who um, email me every day, some people who email me regularly, some people who almost never email me, and okay. all of the above. Okay, okay. Yeah, it would have surprised me if... Uh, 300 Bloomington residents for... Right no, 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 no. Yeah, just in terms of total emails. And yeah, some of it's just junk spam stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Or, okay. And uh, anyway, sorry. So, yeah, so you've kind of got your, like, for- formal powers and then, like, your your informal responsibilities, I guess. It, yeah. It, formal it, it, ones are probably more what people think of. You, um, you know, you chair the council meetings. You have those... Uh, you have your... You know, executive powers in the system. Yeah, um, you do. The mayor of Bloomington, for example, has a veto, which is extremely unusual. Most mayors do not have vetoes. The mayor of Normal, for example, doesn't have a veto, mm-hmm. and especially if you're unless you're a strong, officially a strong mayor form of government. So the the mayor of Bloomington does has a veto, uh, item veto, and a line item veto for for budgets. The problem with that, of course, is that 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 certainly puts you squarely in the center of the political bargaining process. But when you use that power, that means you failed, right? It, it means you failed in your negotiations with the council mm-hmm. in trying to get something. The mayor has pretty broad appointment powers in Bloomington. Oh, yeah. um, and you got to sign all kinds of documents. I often joke as I go into City Hall, pretty much every day as I go in, you know, it's like, okay, we need you to sign these things. Or, or there's a there's a stack of things to sign. Yeah. And some, you know, mostly they're there are non-controversial things, or the things that have already been passed. So there's and there's um, no, really no choice but to sign them. So the appointment powers; those are for the boards and commissions. I'm sorry, right? correct so, for yeah. uh, boards and commissions, or if there are vacancies to the city council, which oh, okay. sometimes do, of course, result in controversy. Uh, the one that resulted in the greatest controversy was before I was mayor, and that was the appointment of Maboka Milawambwe, mm-hmm. who was initially rejected by the city council. Oh, and okay. Well, actually, not initially. He was rejected by the city council, but the, only count, the council only gets two shots. If they reject two nominees by the mayor, then their role is totally discharged, mm-hmm. and the mayor can appoint whoever he or she wants. Oh, interesting. Uh, so there are lots of nuances to the authority. The, the mayor is, according to law, the 1934 
post-prohibition uh, law, mayors in Illinois cities are the liquor commissioners, and they can appoint one or more people to help them perform those duties, mm-hmm. and, or nobody, uh, if they want. And that means then they would work with the city council directly. Okay. So there, in terms of the structures, there are lots of different pieces to it. And in a city of almost 80,000 people, there's almost always something, not just in terms of issues, whether it's police or fire or 911 or police-minority relationships or money or economic development or jobs or businesses or regulations. Mm-hmm. There's almost always something that's going on. Yeah. There's never a dull moment in Bloomington City Hall. So uh, to, to go back where you said that building if you had to veto you failed because that that you is, couldn't convince people right right that's you, part right. of your responsibility right. to try to figure right. out i assume with the city manager to try to gauge the the, the, the city manager well some city managers are more helpful than others um, and that is my my the current city manager is just outstanding mm-hmm. and he has really good political instincts and he is you know is a straight shooter very well trusted uh, by i think everybody on the council and is certainly somebody who is very good at helping to read what's likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but by, by fail, I mean, in other words, you'd say, hey, in terms of negotiations, I can't live with what you've just passed. Mm-hmm. Now, it depends on how you define it. I, I kind of used a pocket veto once, and I did, you know, ha- had to do a veto with our 2015 budget in 2014 because the council was just not passing a budget, frankly, that was balanced, that we that was going to cover mm-hmm. our obligations. And ultimately, uh, we got to a balanced budget. <laughs> okay. So a pocket veto, uh, is that like a threat of a veto? Or you I, I just didn't, I just don't act. Okay. And that's what I didn't, did. And this, this was the, it's a, it's a long story, but this was the, uh, uh, some grant money that was coming in that the, the $750,000 for a, uh, a football field at Central Catholic. It was a five to four vote. And it turns out that one of the council members was on the board and probably should have recused himself. So I pocket vetoed it and I did not sign the documents oh, okay. until the next you. meeting. And then the council voted without that council member eight to zero to not accept the, uh, okay. the grant. Okay. But otherwise, you haven't had to do that in your time. Uh, otherwise, right. Okay. And, yeah, it's it's always there. And, and there have been some things. Like, for example, the, the latest controversy over cannabis, you know, I have said, you know, the state of Illinois has acted. It is going to be legal January 1st, no matter what we do. That we know. There's no question about that. The question would be, do we allow it? It would allow a dispensary in Bloomington, possibly up to two, and those decisions will not be made by us. But we have all the costs associated with law enforcement. And I have said it seems to me that we should not opt out. So if the council passed a resolution to opt out, I have said many times that I would veto that. And the the council can. Obviously, the council has a vote. I've got a veto. I've been asked my position on that, and I've made that you know, crystal clear for the reasons that I just articulated. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, you know, formal powers, you're 
you're running the council meetings, you're signing the documents, you're appointing people, head of and the meet, commission. Meet, meeting and with uh, sometimes board and commission uh, chairs if they've got issues okay. or potential board and commission candidates, um, people who are considering investing in the city of Bloomington, whether they be... Oh, small businessmen and women, mostly that's what it is. I mean, okay. we spend most of our time dealing with small to medium-sized businessmen and women and, and some time dealing, of course, with uh, larger corporations, mm-hmm. people who, uh, or the, if they've got difficulty in developing something, uh, what are the, the logistics there that they might have to go through, uh, or sometimes citizens, because I have a, a regular mayor's open house. I'll put in that plug mm-hmm. from 4.30 to 5.30 on Friday before a regular city council meeting. You don't have to make an appointment. You can talk about anything you want. And so th- some of that includes, obviously, meeting with citizens and responding to them because yeah. that was part of what I ran on. In fact, that was the central piece of what I ran on was you should not fight city hall. Should, city hall should be open. It should be like windows that you can look in and see what you're paying for. Okay. And so the... Openness and transparency means then if you're serious about that, you, you, you're going to be meeting with citizens or talking to them, responding with them on a lot of its phone calls, email, constantly. Yeah. So then there's other like ceremonial like, duties and responses. Well, there are. Yeah, right? Then there are. I, I, I didn't cuttings even go to. And, there there yeah. are d- ribbon cuttings, and sometimes I just can't do those because I, I actually have to uh, uh, live and exist and have. Two kids in, in uh, one's an undergrad and another, another grad student, mm-hmm. so I have to actually live and pay my bills. So uh, my Illinois Wesleyan University job is pretty well stacked. I have my classes, my last class is 1 to 150 on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. And the university's been very, very good and supportive about that. But it also means that a lot of times I can't make those ribbon cuttings. Or I've got other obligations. Like if there's there's a liquor commission meeting, uh, liquor commission meets, for example, this Tuesday. In fact, we pretty much are liable to go from that right into the um, city council meeting because Veterans Day means we don't meet on Monday. You know, so okay. you know, if there's something that I sometimes I just can't go to things. I uh, you know Dan Brady might be able to clone himself, but I, I can't. I know. How does he do that? I I, really I don't know, but it's it's really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's funny you said that. I, I used to say the same thing. I don't know if I if I got it from you or some, maybe worked his way through someone mm-hmm. else. I thought I thought of it. I'm like, it's either Dan Brady or his. Well, maybe here. great minds just think alike. Well, he Tyson. like helped. I mean, I think that's possible. <laughs> you and I just came up with that same idea. Could be <laughs> independent <laughs> was, of each other. He like helped build the my son's um, like uh, playground at Washington back right. in the day, and so right. then there was he was at some like just. Like, well, he used to live in that area. Yeah, he, prior he, to the redistricting, school was having some sort of event, and he was just there. And I'm like, why is he even like? Well, apparently, right. he shows up. So I appreciate that. It's not a criticism. I think it's pretty cool, but yeah. it's a lot of time. Um, okay, so well, thank you for bringing up the ceremonial stuff because I was focusing on sort of the policy making well, sure. stuff. But no, that's why I kind of wanted to get like the whole too. thing. So like, when you, I'm sure some of that was kind of a surprise to you when you like you didn't fully know what to expect when you uh, ran for mayor? Or did you have a pretty good sense of what you were Well, I mean, I, I used to, over 30 years ago, I used to work for the International City County Management Association, and I was, as a political scientist, studied local government. I was, I spent 12 years on our county legislature from the other side of, uh, of downtown, mm-hmm. uh, and most of my academic research was in, in local okay. government. So I, I wasn't pretty good shocked. Sense, the thing that was more surprising to me was the extent to which bringing council members together was going to be very difficult. 
And I, I attribute that more to the ward system, frankly, than anything else. It, it doesn't mean that if you have everything elected at large, everybody's going to be singing kumbaya. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely an issue when you can, like in normal, you got to get 400 some signatures just to get your name on the ballot. Yeah. In Bloomington, there are many people who've never even gotten 400 votes. And so, and they have a, they, so they got a smaller constituency, smaller number of people who might contact mem- them, maybe three people and their cat, uh, and then they make a decision. And that, that is sometimes very difficult. So that, that's the thing that's been the most surprising to me of anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you feel like you've um, like gotten better at that over the six years? Is that something that you've A like little bit, mm-hmm. right. Uh, and, and, you know, it's... Um, and I and then it's certainly something that I struggle with. The other thing that, that I've certainly gotten a lot better at. I mean, I've always thought I had thick skin, but you have to have rhino hide if you're the mayor. Yeah. And that that's really really uh, you know a critical thing, especially in the days of social media, where people yeah. just they can just make stuff up and throw bombs. Like we had a actually a local attorney come and, during public comment and just read us green eggs and ham for three minutes. And he says, if you're wasting my tax money, I'm going to waste your time. And he mm-hmm. just basically read us green eggs and ham. So there are, there are definitely a lot of very angry people, and they can't really be angry at us uh, you know, because of what we've done. It, I think it says more about them than yeah, us. There's, there seems to be a, a tradition, and I don't know if it's um, international or if it's in a, a, you know, particularly present here in America, but Politicians as like a lightning rod for people to vent their anger and not, I guess not just anger, particularly anger, but other emotions, you know, frustration, sadness, and like um, politicians should be like the outlet. People view politicians as like an outlet for their their negative feelings about the way things are going, Um, even for things that really don't directly, like aren't directly in their power. some of public comment does seem to me to be that way. Like uh, when I watch, it's like these, this is a chance for someone to share their feelings for, for sure. three minutes. Sure. Um, and I'm not and, always and, clear and that what shouldn't exactly be. Uh, you know, it shouldn't, certainly shouldn't be dismissed. But yeah. but I understand what you're saying, and that's. Yeah. But but sometimes it doesn't really have much to do with anything that we can deal with, yeah. or uh, very often the they're 100 percent mistaken. Mm-hmm. And we, our policy is that we don't engage people. Um, now, once in a great while, I will tell people if, if they seem to have a problem, you know, we don't normally engage you, but would you please wait until after the meeting and then I or someone on the staff can help you if there's like a specific problem. Yeah. And that's yeah. part of why I have the open house is if you got a specific problem and you want an answer, you, you can usually get an answer, even if you don't always like the answer, mm-hmm. by just coming and asking the question, or if you've got a problem, we can sometimes solve it in real time. Not always, but we yeah. can try. And yeah, that's that's honestly something that um, that I struggle with because you know as I get to be more active in public life, you know, being on the planning commission, doing this podcast, things like that. Um, you know, people do ask me, like, oh, are you going to run for office one day? And I'm like, if I have to, but I really don't. Like, <laughs> no, come I, on, Tyson. I really don't we want We need you. It's like, not that bad. One of my biggest <laughs> barriers is, like, I just don't want to have, 
like dozens of people saying really nasty things about dozens? me. Dozens? Oh, it's going to be a lot more than dozens, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but we, I, we still need you. Yeah, no, it's, it's just it's hard. It's hard to get over like to have. Um, I don't know if that, that if, I don't know if that really should be a requirement to be like in public office, like to have that thick skin, or, or maybe everyone just develops it over time. But not everyone. Oh, pe- obviously, people don't just develop it over time. Some yeah. people would be incapable of developing it, and and that's one of the things that you know council members may get a little you know some criticism from time to time, but they don't have the degree of saliency in either Bloomington or Normal mm-hmm. that the mayors do, and the mayors are sort of the lightning rods for it, and they they, they should be in some ways because they they need to be the champions for their entire community, yeah. and they need to be pushing some things that not everybody is going to agree with, if they unless they are there to just be a caretaker, caretaker mayor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either Mayor Coos or I are there to be caretaker mayors. I think of all, even our worst critics would not say that we're caretaker mayors. Yeah. Well, something Justin says a lot that I've, I've stolen from him because I agree with it. It's a really good point is that even if, even if you don't think somebody, like, factually is accurate about why they're upset... Mm-hmm. Or even if you don't agree that they should be upset, like they still are upset about something. Like they're, they're still upset. <laughs> the fact that they're upset is real and is real right. to them. Yes. And you should try to meet them in that place where they are to try to understand, like, where is this negative, where is this negativity and this unpleasantness mm-hmm. and this frustration coming from in them? And is there anything that I can do to try to make that better? Right. And right. maybe there's not. But it, it is easy to just, like, react by dismissing of, like, oh, there's an unhappy person. There's always going to be unhappy, you know. Like, right. um, try but, to see if they're unhappy for a reason. You know, if someone doesn't, uh, you know, I think whatever the Planning Commission does with cannabis, for example, there are going to be people who are upset about it one way or the other. And so to try to understand, like, why they would be upset by certain decisions and to, um, you know, if there's any way to accommodate that or make that right. better in what we do, then that's fine. But sometimes people just feeling heard helps them better and feeling understood, you know. Right. Um, well, in, in some cases, like in the in the planning commission, right, you know, establishing certain parameters and understanding that you've got a charge and it's a charge within a broader political context. The state of Illinois has already acted. That's a given. It's mm-hmm. going to be legal January 1, whether you approve of that or don't approve of that. Then the city council has a charge within that, and then now the, the planning commission within that situation. So, you know, regardless of uh, whether or not which side, what, well, I don't think there's. I think in many ways there's more than one side, but which of the many sides someone takes on cannabis, that you know you you're dealing with a commission that's making a comparatively narrow charge, mm-hmm. and they're trying to do what's in the best interest. At no compensation whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Not even the meager twelve thousand dollars a year that a mayor gets. <laughs> right. Uh, nothing. So they're doing it because they really want to contribute to the community, mm-hmm. and so perhaps th- sometimes that will calm people down, uh, or at least understand. It might be calm, but just to understand where they're coming from. But but not always. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and certainly I've found that when people. Um, have been really, really concerned about Veterans Parkway, and, and we can, in the city, leverage Veterans Parkway or Route 9 or Route 150, but that's actually IDOT's mm-hmm. responsibility. Now, we can patch the holes, and we kind of have that understanding with Jim Karch. You know, if something looks like it's going to swallow yeah. up a little a Volvo or whatever, then, you know, patch the thing. But we cannot, uh, and we do not budget Resurface. for resurfacing. Yeah. Um, 
And so that, those are some of the, the misconceptions. I mean, the, how many people would realize that, wow, the city of Bloomington has, does not own Main Street? Yeah. Yeah. Or the or the or the town of Normal does not own Main Street, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes that helps at least for understanding, even if it doesn't, yeah. you know, calm people down. These aren't the droids you're looking for, you know. If they're right. yelling at us right. about the conditions of you know, right. Clinton, you're like, <laughs> right, wrong, wrong people. But I can put you in touch with the people who would right. be able to help you with that. Yeah, right. the not being paid thing. Funny story from Planning Commission one time. A guy came up and um, I can't remember who he was or even what we were talking about, but it was a public hearing and he was. Um, he was speaking very passionately about his position on it. And at the end, he was like, you guys are all paid to make the right decisions for everyone here, you know, and I expect you to, you know, think hard about this. And, you know, like, it's your responsibility to make the right choice. And he goes and sits back down, and I kind of, like, look, you know, we kind of look at each other. And uh, But, you know, he did he did raise some points I wanted to talk about. I hope you said about. for the record that well, you he, weren't paid a penny. Well, so he... Uh, so he, you know, but he did raise some points, so we just kind of looked over. Then we asked staff to clarify, like, you know, is this a concern or would you characterize it in this way? And um, they clarified, and then meeting went on, and then the, near the end of it, that person came back up to the microphone. He was just like, I just want to say thank you for asking the questions that I that I posed to you. I appreciate it. And someone next to me told me you don't get paid, so I'm sorry I said that. And, oh, uh, oh, really? Oh, good, good, good. good. It, as long so, as that was clarified. Yeah. I was like, uh, you don't get paid, sorry, and thank you for volunteering to do this. And he went and sat yeah. down. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, we won, well, good. We won one person good. over. Well, so. and, and it, you know, it, 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 we've even have uh, sometimes council members, uh, over, at least during my six and a half years, uh, you know, as mayor, who will criticize commissions and, or task forces or mm-hmm. people that, uh, that are serving out of the goodness of their heart because they believe that they can contribute something. Yeah. And I think that's really, really unfortunate. Um, if you don't like the results that a commission recommends or maybe you don't agree with absolutely everything, mm-hmm. that's very possible, then make that point rather than just sometimes, as we've seen, de- try to delegitimize the entire commission yeah. and its entire work. Because the, the commission would be set up the scope and the process of the commission would be set up most likely by some combination of council and staff, right? Absolutely. And so right. if you're I, not happy with one of those things, like talk to the staff or the council member about it, to the, or the council as a whole about it, correct, right. in my opinion. You know, like the people who came on it, they got came on, they got given a certain job, and they're trying to do it. So, um, right. And they, they agreed to serve. And then, no, they, actually, the only exception to that, we've had three task forces. Two of them have been mayoral task forces since at least in my six and a half years as mayor. Uh-huh. And one of those was a budget task force when we had the time where I had to, in a sense, threaten to veto uh-huh. the budget before we could actually get to a balanced budget, the the and I guess it was like May second or something. Our, our fiscal year starts May first, so I think the very first Monday, <laughs> um, right after May first, our fiscal year, I announced the creation of a budget task force, and so that was a mayoral task force, and so if you know, in in its charge was to take a look at what we're spending, there was also a downtown task force that was a mayoral task force, mm-hmm. the. Cannabis task force actually was um, something that the council and mayor. I obviously I agreed with it. I signed the documents, and, and but it was a, a joint creation, yeah. you know. And and they uh, had they acted very very quickly in a very very short period of time, and I think they, that they should certainly be commended for that, regardless of whether or not people agree with exactly what they said. Yeah. 
So, uh, it's, uh, probably went down kind of a rabbit hole there. Sorry. That tends to be what, uh, <laughs> what happens. When well, we're the mayors to do here, too, so. right? <laughs> so, uh, with all this, um, with all this stuff that a mayor does and you understood it pretty well, what was it that really drew you to want to have this position in the community? You mentioned trying to improve transparency. Um, oh, that, that was the, that and frankly, uh, blow open government, mm-hmm. you know, in, inside City Hall. Yeah. Because I, for, for 12 years, uh, I was on the county board. So we interacted with the city of Bloomington. And for really all of those 12 years, although I think things got better over time, uh, there were problems in dealing with the city. I think the, and that is the town of Normal, I think it had some of the same issues. The, one of the, the big shifts with me was when in 2003, in fact, I was on the county board special commission that dealt with county board members that dealt with the METCOM situation. And the city of Bloomington, that was with our 911 communications. So the city of Bloomington voted to spend millions of dollars on an outdated analog system that they knew they were not going to be able to talk to anybody else. And I called some people that I knew in Washington at the International City Management Association and some other places. And I said, have you ever heard of this? And I said, no, people are doing the reverse. They're consolidating. You want interoperability. You don't go to analog systems. But this was basically a decision by a previous city manager and a previous police chief. And the council, of course, was was complicit in that as well. And the letter that we received from the city manager by we, the county board, as well as the town of Normal, was just really way over the top and unbelievable. And I thought, okay, this is this is not how government is supposed to work. And then I went to some the, the city council meetings and uh, I you know, dug into things a little bit more, talked to some people and thought, okay, uh, the city of Bloomington needs to be blown open. We need to have a much more open process. Mm-hmm. The good old boy, good old gal network of the past uh, and some of the powerful special interests that had dominated the city could not do so as we were a changing, thriving, dynamic city moving forward. Uh, and I can... Say on that account, uh, I think we've succeeded, and that's where I can make the biggest difference uh, in the, things like uh, a mayor's open house, responding to people. If you want some information, as long as you're not suing us, mm-hmm. right, I'll get that information to you. Um, returning phone calls, being trying to make the whole place as transparent as possible, and making our board and commission appointees not be part of the same old little club. To make sure that we've got millennials, that we've got uh, people of color, as well as you know, middle-aged white guys like me, um, gays, straights, east siders, west siders. As long as we have a broader group of people, we're going to make better decisions. So this is not any affirmative action program. This is just basic, simple fairness, and at the core of what democracy should be all about. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the years we've had the greatest success in. Okay. Do you feel like there's still some more steps you'd want to take to improve transparency? You, you can always improve transparency. Yeah. Anything, come, <laughs> right. anything yeah. come to mind? Um, well, I, I think still, what I would like, I would like to see... Would yeah, we we do have a transparency yeah. ordinance. I would like us to go back, perhaps, and, and uh, tweak that, review that, and, and look at standard operating procedures to see what we would do, for sure. 
And I can't force another mayor, the next mayor, to have an open house necessarily. I, mean, you, you know, I suppose you could put it in the ordinance, but the mayor doesn't have to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't think that that's actually uh, something that I would, would try to push for. But you can always improve transparency. You're, you never reach nirvana. Mm-hmm. Sure. But you're happy with how far things have come. Yes, that's done. the one. That's one of the many things I'm happy okay. about. Uh, what, I'm also what happy. Kind of things come to mind. Uh, another one of the other things I'm happy about is the establishment of our administrative court within the city. When I came in, the cops took me around. I was mayor maybe two months, and they showed me all kinds of dilapidated properties throughout the city, east and west side, and throughout the whole city. And they also showed me many, much of the work that they had done. This is all public record, uh, where they would say, you know, they, they would tell legal, and then legal would send a notice to often a deadbeat landlord or whatever, fix up this, or, you know, you're going to have a fine, apparently, someday. And then they would say, okay, you've really been a bad boy now, a year later, and you've been a really, really bad boy two years later, and three years later, and four years later. The, in, in, when I was elected in the previous decade, we filed one case in circuit court, McLean County Circuit Court, against somebody for a dilapidated property. Mm-hmm. So the word on the street was you can get away with anything in Bloomington. You can't get away with anything in Normal. We fixed that. We can haul somebody's rear end in. Notice I'm trying to clean up my act there. Uh, we can haul somebody's butt in uh, within 48, 72 hours if necessary and say, fix up your property. It is a hazard or we will fine you and you will still have to do that. So we have an administrative court now that has helped uh, a much more aggressive uh, code enforcement rental inspection program. And that's thanks to uh, old, former older women. Uh, Amelia Burgess and Karen Schmidt that worked on that for uh, about a year and a half. And so we have definitely made some substantial progress on those fronts. Mm-hmm. Anything else come to mind? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I could, I could keep going. Yeah. Uh, Maybe but, but in terms of in terms of economic development, we've certainly, you know, we've had some progress in downtown. We didn't even have a downtown plan. So it's hard to get people outside of your community or even inside in some cases to invest in your downtown if you don't even have a plan. So we have a downtown plan, we have a comprehensive plan, and that was also something that uh, Vazu from Regional Planning helped put together. Uh, you know, these are really, really helpful for us. Um, and we're, we have no shortage of, of people who are interested in investing in downtown. Now, sometimes they're more or less serious than others. And fortunately, our big threat, you know, and that is the, the possibility of having the old state farm building uh, demolished is something that is resolved. But you, you've got to focus on your cultural historic core. And in, as part of our comp plan, it is to invest in infill so we don't have the cost of sprawl where we have to worry about 911 service up to 10 miles from City Hall. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about providing fire and police and parks and, and water and sewage and other issues. The cost of sprawl are tremendous. And that is something now that's front and center part of what we are doing. Yeah. The the comp plan wasn't done during your tenure as mayor, right? Okay, yes, it was. 2015. It was. Oh, okay, okay, Correct. that was good. Correct. That was in the, yeah. Now um, most of the work was done by uh, not by city staff, sure. mostly by McLean County Regional Planning, and as I say, Vazu did a remarkable job at getting thousands and thousands of people 
uh, involved in that process to have yeah. maximum feasible participation. Yeah, that's um, that document. I mean, it's big and it's kind of daunting, but it's such an excellent document. Um, people can agree or disagree with what's in there, sure. but there's a lot of good information in there. At least is a vision portrayed in there, and so that is always. Um, when people come to me and they ask, like, what kind of things should I do? Like, I want to get involved. How should I get involved? Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the places I direct them. Is I say, if you, if, you know, if you can take a couple weeks, read through this document, and if anything in here captures your imagination or you feel like is particularly aligned with your skill set, then you know, talk to um, your alderman or, or someone else you know about how to get involved with those things because there's probably a way you can try to make some positive change towards Or talk to the mayor about being on the planning commission sometime. Yeah, something <laughs> like that, yeah. I'm excited to look forward to that. Um, I assume after the census and next year, after that all gets kind of settled, we might take another look and um, refresh that document. Oh, absolutely. That'd be, oh, that'd be I fun think that, that, that's essential. I mean, we would be, we'd be fools not to. That's what a census is all about. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> to of, help yeah. you begin to figure out, okay, where are your people? Who yeah. are your people? What are their needs today? What are their needs tomorrow? What are their needs going to be a couple of years down the line? Mm-hmm. What might the physical layout look like then? So absolutely, that would be uh, an essential part of what, frankly, we're probably going to dump on the Planning Commission to yeah. do. Yeah, no, it'd be fun. Just be FYI. Fun. Yeah. Well, we're about halfway here, so we're going to take a quick break. Um, since our conversation naturally was going towards like the future of Wilmington and, and that um, kind of vision there, I would like to talk a little bit more about that. But we'll take a quick break here to hear from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Mayor Terry Renner. Thank you. Thank you to our friends at BRE Law for sponsoring this episode. BRE Law is there for you when you are injured and need legal help because they know when it comes to your claim, good isn't good enough. You deserve the best. To find out more about, about how BRE Law can help you, visit breinjurylaw.com. All right, we are back. So we've talked a little bit about the past and the current state. So let's turn our attention to the future. Um, so in the near future, you have your remaining term as mayor. I won't press you on whether you're running again or not. Um, I'm <laughs> okay. trying to make news there. Well, we, but, want, we um, want to get through the presidential election first. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> one thing at a time. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, uh, me being so deep into local politics, I'm actually more interested in who's going to be running for mayor than I am who's going to be the Democratic candidate. But I know I'm in the far minority there. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. Anyway, uh, so... What what uh, based on you know why you ran and why you ran the second time then what's what are what's kind of things might you like to see accomplished in the next two years here right well I, I, as I say I think some of the things that that are uh, the successes um, if not home runs at least triples uh, certainly deal with open government transparency uh, I would hope that and. and you know, I hear this pretty regularly, that there's greater confidence. Not that everybody has, because you can't please everybody, but at least they know what's going on and they understand and have greater, I think, trust in our government. We also have now a great city manager who's really helping to make things happen. When, it, But in terms of economic development, that's really the main challenge, not just for me if I seek another term, if I'm elected to another term, and then whoever succeeds me as mayor, we've got to make sure that we diversify our economy. Obviously, 
we've been heavily dependent upon State Farm, ISU, some of the big uh, heavy hitters, but we need to diversify our economy. And we also need to work on Eastland Mall and making sure that that is basically kind of retrofitted to the 21st century so that it looks more like College Hills Mall, so that it is not as much of an underperforming property as it is currently, Mm -hmm. and that it's a more systematic change. And we've worked with the owners, but we're they're out of Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we're one of 88 malls they own. And so, so far, I think it's pretty clear they've done a Band-Aid approach, put in an Outback Steakhouse, maybe a, a Planet Fitness here and there to just make a little bit of profit and go forward, even though they, they do know and we've they understand that they have to make ultimately the investment so they look somewhat like College Hills Mall. So you've got lots of restaurants that feed off each other, pun intended, and the businesses, as well as perhaps maybe even a hotel or maybe apartments or whatever it might be. So you've got not just an indoor mall that that they're dying in America, right? So we know we've got to fix that. But at 500 feet, what we've got to understand is we have a great opportunity with Rivian coming to our community and not just to rename Mitsubishi Parkway Rivian Parkway, which it is. And I happened to be driving by it yesterday with a, I had a big smile Mm -hmm. as I was driving by it. But uh, in that is Rivian is not just going to create jobs for our community. It's going to help brand our community as being on the cutting edge, if we're able to take advantage of that. And certainly working with the EDC, the Economic Development Council, and the Town of Normal, I think uh, I think we are going to seize that opportunity going forward because we've got 5,000 or so college grads every year that are produced in Bloomington Normal, most of whom leave us. And if there are other things that we can do in terms of jobs, high-tech jobs, uh, and a quality of life within the community, an infill community that also has a, a transportation system that is a 21st century transportation system for the future. And I don't mean just connect transit, but that is a system where you are accommodating pedestrians, you're accommodating bicycles, you're accommodating automobiles and mass transit, and at some point, cars where drivers are not in direct control. And so that's what we need to make sure that we're moving forward on. And and I think we are, but we could do much more. And uh, I, I think we we really, really, though, have to leverage, frankly, the, the Rivian connection. So what kind of things uh, specifically would help with that? Like what would what would set us up now... Uh, what kind of things should we be looking at now to try to facilitate that? Well, well I think uh, one of the things, of course, can be you know, more work in revitalizing our downtown and our older neighborhoods and make sure that they're much more walkable, that they're more friendly. Uh, we've got a good Connect Transit system. We've, we're in the process of trying to make it better and to make the Connect Transit board also more representative you know, in the future of the ridership and of the community. Mm-hmm. Those have been some of the criticisms. So I think we're doing lots of things. So if we've got, as we do, an award-winning mass transit system for a small metro area, if we have more quality of life amenities that some people may turn their nose up at, but they need to understand it's not just that you're doing it for your citizens. You're doing it also 
for the future and to make money and to make sure that you're, it's easier to attract people if you're hiring at, whether it's State Farm or Illinois State or smaller companies that come to town, and to have incubation centers like you have in most large metro areas. Mm -hmm. And I think that both cities should invest a small amount of money. That's all it would take in so incubation the, centers. Like those amenities, like are you thinking, for example, what, whatever we decide to do with O'Neill Pool? Would that be with, an example with, of everything, it? That would be one example. O'Neill Pool, Constitution Trail, mm -hmm. uh, many of the things. And having a, a vibrant downtown, having festivals downtown. Mm -hmm. Now we're having more and more of those. And we just had a Halloween trick or treat. That was awesome. I, uh, Were you there? I, yeah. I was. I was stunned. And we, you know, we closed off the streets. Yes. And nobody, and nobody yeah. died. Yeah. And we had nobody grew extra arms and mutated like you know who knows what we were. Nobody <laughs> turned into an alien. Unless that was their costume. Unless that was their costume. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's why I think that uh, we need. And, and we've made some progress certainly in that area. Yeah. But in the past, you know, the, the city of Bloomington. You know, they they wouldn't shut down streets for virtually anything except the annual yeah. uh, WGLT concert. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast regularly knows that I'm a big fan of that and a big proponent. Um, I would love on First Fridays to have the streets done right regularly. Yeah. Um, as oh, someone with absolutely. three little kids, um, it just, that Halloween event, I didn't know they were going to be shut down for that. So I was all expected to be, you know, watching my kids like a hawk mm -hmm. to try to keep them on the sidewalks and keep mm -hmm. them out of the way. Mm -hmm. The fact that we could just roam safely and go back and forth, you know, they saw something across the street, they could go run over there and see it and come back, and I didn't have to worry about their safety. Um, and then just, like, the opportunity it gave the business owners to be creative with their displays right. that they could extend out and to the road. And for people to get to learn about those businesses. Yes, yeah. yeah. And we had uh, Bloomington Police Department and our fire department down there as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was, I uh, saw some city council members down there. Had, yes. Um, had the, and three were dressed as witches. Yeah. <laughs> Without apparently any uh, coordination. Oh, that wasn't coordinated? Them. It wasn't coordinated. <laughs> At least that's what I'm told. That was funny. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, with how many people were down there, clearly parking wasn't an issue. That's what everyone always says when you close it. Right. So, you know, um, does it need to be closed regularly all the time? No. But I think that that shows that there's some promise there with that. Right. And that's the kind of thing that makes you a community you know, special. Right. right. And, if, and if people come downtown and then they're, the more times they do, the more times they might see, oh, oh, wow, there's a new business. Oh, wow, there's a new boutique. Oh, mm -hmm. wow, sh gosh, there's a new bookstore. Or there's a, oh, I didn't realize there was an antique store there. Yeah. Um, and whatever the, the nature of the businesses might be. Yeah. But uh, So do you, think so we, do you think there's a chance we're going to see more things that came from the downtown task force plan? Um, Implemented in the next if I have years. anything to say about it, absolutely. Okay. And then I think that that's okay. essential. Uh, and, and, and I think that we are, and I think Tim Gleason understands that we're making it happen. And some things that are that are peripheral to downtown, by peripheral, they're not immediately in that couplet. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Electrolux site with that we own with Illinois Wesleyan University, we have a request for proposals that's that's gone out. We'll see what kinds of responses we get from that, as well as we, you know, fixing up and, and changing the creativity center, which is at the immediate north. Mm -hmm end of downtown. And there are some other areas uh, and other properties that I think would be useful for us to um, acquire. Yeah. If you acquire properties, then you can control them. And that's one of the things that Normal has, has found. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, we're not talking uh, a lot of money, but yeah. we're talking about potentially substantial results as a, you know, 
uh, by the actions. If if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Is kind of the the adage. Yeah, I uh, I really hope that Bloomington doesn't go down the route of uh, of, of normal. Um, I'd like to have both communities experiment with the approaches. Where normal, they're you know fundamentally changed. Because I was there, I graduated in. Um, 2006 from ISU. You're making me so. feel old, Tyson. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I mean, comp- so I came there in 2003. I did my freshman year somewhere else. Um, but, you know, the change that has occurred there in the last 15 years is mm-hmm. like, you, know, you can barely recognize normal anymore. Absolutely. Right. There's that model of doing things. Um, I would, I'd love to see Bloomington taking more of an incrementalist approach of like trying small little investments of things like can we try to do different parking, you know, diagonal parking instead of parallel right, to right, see how that right. works? Can we try to close things down? Can we try to decorate in certain ways? Can we put, like, some some lights up, a sign, you know, like, right. to see if, to kind of pit those approaches against each other and see what comes in the next 20, 10 to 20 years? Because mm-hmm. I, I personally believe that the incremental approach will be more mm-hmm. successful and less costly because you're not putting all your chips on some big um, development that you're taking out debt for. Well, it, 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 it I'm if you're t- depends to that idea. Uh, well, that's that. Much of that is what we have been doing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would totally agree that we shouldn't be doing something big and bold. Uh, I think that we need an anchor project. Our downtown plan calls for an anchor project. Our comp plan calls for a, a big anchor project or projects. Uh, now, the big difference between Bloomington and Normal's central core, of course, uh, not only is that Normal's made substantial progress, mm-hmm. but Normal had lots of vacant properties and abandoned buildings. And it was a Superfund site, right? It, and they had an EPA Superfund waste site. It, it, we have good bones. We've got good structure. You, It's not likely to be the case that if you came back in 15 years, you wouldn't recognize downtown Bloomington. People will recognize downtown Bloomington, but I'm hopeful what they will see is even more uh, action more, it, it's thriving more. Again, mm-hmm. we've got the old historic buildings, and may, there may be a couple of sites, you know, uh, that we have in terms of abandoned, um, um, not, not so much abandoned, we don't have abandoned buildings in the couplet so much as we have uh, some areas immediately outside the couplet yeah. that are that are front parking and lots and, and whatever, and we, well, we do have front, the front and center C2 East buildings, good yeah. heavens. Yes, having something done with them, I mean, they're they're not just underperforming; they're 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 nooses around our neck. Mm-hmm. So, but fixing those kinds of things up are not going to change the core character of downtown. If anything, it'll enrich that, and that's I think one of the things that we're working on. Certainly, we've we have had Im- improved lighting. We have had improved massive improvements in signage. Some people even have complained that that we've spent too much money on signage. Well, if you don't have proper signage in your downtown. You're leaving money on the table. It's going to cost you money. Mm-hmm. And you may know where you're going because you live here. But people who are coming through, and in fact, on Route 66, which is a multi-billion dollar industry that comes right through downtown Bloomington, people are not going to necessarily know. So absolutely, the few crumbs that we spent on signs uh, are going to produce heaping loaves for us in the short and midterm and long term, uh, and, and that's part of it. Is is that what I, in terms of the future, I want us to continue the process, the progress we've made mm-hmm. in tapping into Route 66, and whether or not you're a fan of Route 66 or whatever, 
it is a multi-billion dollar industry, and 80% or so of the traffic goes from Chicago to Santa Monica, California. Mm-hmm. And that also needs to be important in terms of how we direct our signage and, and where we put our projects. But if we can get people to stay, uh, even if it's only for a couple hours, have lunch, or maybe work through our shops, those are more jobs. That's more activity. And that'll also breed more things for more, more investors, because capital investment will, will produce more capital investment. And that means we'll have more thriving downtowns where people will want to live. Mm-hmm. So there are that's one thing that is is just really really critical and we have made great progress we've got uh, the got money from the state of Illinois and kind of hobbled it together back in 2014 13 and 14 when I, my first year as mayor and then it opened my second year as mayor the uh, the history museum's first floor which is Lincoln on route 66 now you can argue okay there's some time issues there Lincoln existed before route 66 but it doesn't matter if we have um, as long as we can do something where we're bringing people into our downtown, we're taking advantage of our Lincoln history yeah. as well as our Route 66, that is just, that's golden for this community. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's a, so there's a downtown and the opposite is the, the, the sprawl that we already have, right? Correct. Uh, East, and there's nothing that we west. can do about the past. Yeah. Right. So what do you, um, what do you see happening out, out in that direction, in the um, you know, in the midterm future, in the next ten to twenty years, like, is there? I think there's some infill possibilities there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, in, you know, or in, but we're not going to have any more Grove subdivisions. Nothing wrong with the Grove subdivision necessarily. Uh, you know, there are lots of great friends that live there. Yeah, it's just we spent fourteen million dollars shoving water uphill so that that could be built. Yeah, I was going to say there is something wrong with it from the terms of dollar and cents. Right. It's a huge financial... That's not happening anymore, at yeah. least on, on if you want to exist in the city of Bloomington. If there's somebody wants to have, uh, you know, they, they want to build a thousand homes out there, fine, go ahead and incorporate. You provide your own water, you provide your own sewer, you provide your own police force, you provide your own fire, you provide your own parks and rec, you provide your own trash snow, collection. Snow removal. It, it, snow yeah. removal, everything. Go ahead. You know, and, and they won't be able to do it because the only way that you're able to do that is if you attach yourself to the city of Bloomington. And so I think that we will continue to see some development out there. Uh, I I think it'll be more smart growth um, and even and in downtown and in some of our older neighborhoods. And we're already seeing that. And I think that's a trend that I'm from everything I can tell, will definitely continue. What and I think it'll feed b- by smart growth, meaning you want to make sure that you have a sustainable system. Uh, you don't just, well, again, I, I hate to, to pick on the Grove subdivision, mm-hmm. but it's it's, it's like a, a it's, it's like a little yeah. dangling area way out. Mm-hmm. And the, the houses there are great and, you know, the amenities there are great. But um, we have to send 911 service out there. We've got to send fire service, et cetera, and people have to drive. And it's it's not sustainable. It's not going to be on a major uh, artery of Connect Transit, for example, to go from the Grove subdivision to other places without a massive increase in cost. So sprawl costs everybody a lot of money. So we should have, by smart growth, sustainable growth, so that if we had, let's say, something along Hershey, you know, at the very south end of Hershey, if there was a development there, or if we had some, um, we will hopefully have the Hamilton Road extension that will be built that will create new commercial and 
real estate, private real estate, I think, investment in that area. Mm-hmm. It'll be um, it'll be more compact. We'll be able to provide services more effectively and efficiently. Yeah. And I think we'll have an improved quality of life. Do you see? Um, could you see the city having an appetite for um, mixed use out in those sprawled areas? Absolutely, like I hope com- so. Having commercial activities start to be performed. Uh, I think I think that that's that's going to be essential. Yeah. As we move forward, absolutely. Yeah. The um, you know I'll kind of share what my my like negative vision of what could happen with subdivisions is the fact that they were largely built at the same time out of the same materials. Um, everything's going to go bad at the same time. So everyone's yes. roof's going to go bad at the same time. Everyone's yes. siding's going to need to be painted and replaced. These aren't All of these things aren't going to happen at the same time that I'm naming, but they will happen to all of the buildings out there at approximately the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that You're starting would, to see actually some of that in some of the the, uh, of the twenty five to thirty year old that's when it would subdivisions. Happen. Yeah, everyone's roof, you know, after twenty twenty five years is mm-hmm. going to need to be replaced at the same time. And unless everyone replaces them, then it starts to all degrade simultaneously. Which yes. in, you know, then why would I fix my roof if my, all my neighbors aren't and my property value is going down? And me well, you might need roof. to fix your roof because it, it, you know yeah. sooner or later you, get, you, you run out of buckets. But the logic is maybe <laughs> I just move instead of spending you, you all might, that money. You might move, or you might just you you might not fix your siding. Yeah. Or you might not fix your rotten wood. Yeah. Or you might not do other things, mm-hmm. and that then creates a spiral. It is very possible that we will have, you know, I mean, worst case scenario, you could have east side areas that begin to look like they're really, really run down. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of struggling with how do we, is there anything we can do now to try to help that not happen, I guess. But right. I guess that's what we're talking well, about. Well, I think as we're talking about, in terms of smart growth, there are a lot, I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel here, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of cities that have done this. And as we are changing some of our ordinances and perhaps trying to create more incentives for people to fix their own properties mm-hmm. in certain areas, that I think that those can apply to the areas that are in the Near East side, that houses that might have been built around 1920, 1940s, 1930s, as well as houses that may have been built in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. The city should make it as easy as possible for people to yes. um, make those investments in their property if they want to, I guess. So, yeah. Right. Um, a couple other things I had on my list that I wanted to kind of get your, you know, your long-range thoughts on. Um do you see? Do you think the ward system is is here to stay? We got. Uh, I hope not. Pros and cons of it. Uh, I, I, honestly, uh, I support moving to the system that Champaign and Peoria have, okay. and that is a mixed system. So you would have wards. So you don't. Not everybody's going to come from the same little neighborhood, but you have. They have five council members elected from five wards, and then they have three elected at large, and then of course they have a mayor. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, under those circumstances, everybody would have their own neighborhood representative. The neighborhoods would be a little bigger, or excuse me, the ward would be a little bigger. But everybody would have their neighborhood representative. But they'd also have three members of the council that serve everybody, the entire community, and the mayor. So they'd actually be able to cast five votes, one for their ward member, one or three for the three at large and the mayor. And I think that would create greater accountability and I think a, a better mix of a perspective mm-hmm. from the city at large 
as well as the different neighborhoods. So how, you know, put your, putting your political science professor hat on, mm-hmm. um, how, does, how, do you, uh, how would that come about? It has to come about in one of two ways. Either the city council can vote to put it on. My guess is that would be a hard sell to council members who are elected from small wards mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to change the election system. And then the other way is the way that it came about last time when it was on the ballot. It got 42% last time. So we only need a little over 8% more the second time around. I think if it were, if people were more educated about it because it was actually a campaign mm-hmm. uh, of an understanding what they were voting for, I think it would have passed, especially for a city our size. So those are the two ways that it can come about. But it was in 2014, in the March primary of 2014, that it was on the ballot, and it got 42% of the votes. Okay. And I think that... In spite of the fact that it's complicated, I think with the right mix of supporters and, and education process, I think that would happen. I think that would be a major, uh, not major, but I think it would be an important step okay. for the future of Bloomington. And that'd be any of the municipal elections, so any two years, then that Well, they would, right. Ballot. Essentially, uh, well, yeah, the, the mayor would still continue. Again, this, we're stuck Sorry, with. Sorry, if we were going to have the petition on the ballot. The, the opportunities for that would be the municipal elections. You right? could, you could, you don't have to do it in a municipal election. Oh, okay. In fact, the, the last one that was done was the gubernatorial primary oh, in 2014. Okay. So it can it can be on the ballot at at any time. It just needs to have majority support, and you need well over a thousand signatures to get it on the ballot, which happened last time. But um, the we didn't have an aggressive, I think, campaign for it. Okay. For it and. I was, you know, I was modestly in favor of it at that time. After having been mayor, I'm, I'm even more in favor of it. We do need to have wards, but we also need to have more than just the mayor who is trying to look out for the interest of the entire community and who has a constituency mm-hmm. that they're going to hear from from throughout the city, not necessarily just a small, comparatively small group of supporters that got you elected to a small ward. Yeah, yeah. And the wards themselves would be bigger, too, then, right? Because they correct. cover the whole city, so you're That's still right. accountable for more people. For, to more people, Yeah, correct. but then you wouldn't be but, uh, just... If it's totally at large, then there's a concern about whether minority voices would be represented. Absolutely. So no, I, I would not support us going to the system of normal, not that normal doesn't work effectively for normal, yeah. uh, where everybody is elected and everyone has the same constituency. Normal smaller than we are, mm-hmm. considerably smaller, especially if you, I mean, largely you can subtract out ISU. Not that many ISU students are going to be voting in municipal elections. They may vote in others, but not those. So we're considerably larger than normal. Yeah. And so I, I think we're in a different we're in a different situation that's why it, it works very well in Champaign I talked to Deb Finan uh, who's the mayor of Champaign all the time actually her husband works at State Farm uh, fun fact mm-hmm. and Jim Artis out of uh, Peoria and those systems seem to work very well in Peoria and Champaign and so we um, th- that's the only option we'd have to go to a mixed system. The state kind of binds us. This is the state of Illinois saying you'd have to go to an eight council member, which is how many we had actually until a few years ago. We actually had eight council members, and um, the council voted to go to nine, which was their prerogative because they didn't want to have, they wanted to reduce the number of ties. And it was because the, uh, some degree, the, the Coliseum vote 
was four to four in the major at that time, mm-hmm. Judy Markowitz broke the tie, and that's part of the the outcry for having nine members. Yeah, but anyway, but yeah. but we would have to go to eight. And that's not. It's because of the state of Illinois, not mm-hmm. because there's any magic number about eight. Okay. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about, and. Uh, is you know as you go through all these things that the mayor does, I've heard you say before that there aren't the, the fact that the job requires so much time and pays so little twelve thousand a year, right? Um, there's really not a lot of people who are who are in a position to be able to take on that responsibility. That's um, correct. And so, um, or or they might think they can, but they can't. Yeah, they'd be leaving some important responsibilities on the table, I guess. Right. Or, or, yeah, or are they just or retired just, people or independently wealthy? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you think is the... Well, and I was thinking about this, too, because with Pete Buttigieg running for mm-hmm. president, you know, I, I saw that he's my age. And so I was mm-hmm. like, well, how did he get to be mayor so young? And I looked up, like, oh, well, he makes, like, $100,000 plus a year as mayor. Like, okay, well, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, that's his job. He could quit his job and be mayor. Um, Correct. I am, even if I were interested in being mayor, which I'm not, but I wouldn't be able to really do it with, I have a full-time job and a family and like, I couldn't take a hiatus from my job at State Farm right. to go work for $12,000 a year as mayor. So, um, do you think it's, so if we were going to try to improve that situation where we could get a broader group of people to run for it, do you think it's. Like a salary thing primarily? Oh, I, th- I think it, the salary has to be. I mean, the, the mayor of Normal is going to earn over 30 some thousand dollars a year. The mm-hmm. mayor of Champaign earns nearly $40,000 a year, and it's a similar type form of government. It's not a part-time job. It's not something you can just do on the fly. You know, it might have been 50 years ago or 60 years ago or 70 years ago, actually, which is when, when the, uh, the form of government was created in the 40s and 50s. But it's a very different scenario today. And so um, I would certainly as I'm leaving or prior to, you know, if I know I'm not running or if I'm uh, running in, we, should, we need to make some kind of adjustment here so that somebody could either take time off or they could maybe go to half time at a current at, at their job and still make it. So I'm not saying that the, the mayor ought to get $100,000 a year, but I think that the mayor, I mean, if the mayor of Normal is getting $30,000 a year and the mayor of Champaign is almost at 40, the, the mayor of Bloomington needs to be somewhere in that yeah. category. So we... And then maybe you could work out, like, again. Yeah. You, I'm not, you could, maybe yeah. I could work out with State Farm, like, to, you know, the, to the duration of my time. Can I go to part-time so I can, you know, and then, like, cut right. my salary in half, and then that kind of makes up for it. And exactly. You can have that conversation, perhaps. Exactly. Again, super emphasizing, this, using me as an example, not as indicating that I'm right, right. No, no, <laughs> thinking yeah, I, about yeah. this at all. But <laughs> thinking exactly. through the theoretical of, like, why would More people, people in, could possibly do it. People in their 30s, less. basically, in most situations, couldn't be the mayor of Bloomington. Or even 40s. Yeah. Or even 50s. I mean, if you're, uh, unless you've got an unusual job. I mean, I was, you know, uh, how old was I? Was I 53 when or I was 54 when I was elected? Mm-hmm. Um, and being a professor and, is one of those jobs where you could try to right. carve out the time. And in the uni- Illinois Wesleyan University has been very good about it. They've said, hey, we don't expect you to write books and articles and get grants. This is your professional engagement, especially since you're a political science professor. Um, just go and do that. You got to you got to teach your classes and advise students and do the main things, et cetera. But I got my stuff stacked Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 
till two about two o'clock. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean there aren't other things that I have to do, but it, it uh, you'd have to have that kind of gig in order to make it happen, and you'd have to be like me. A rather uh, bizarre type A personality who's kind of like Roger Rabbit on speed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is that something that there's a possibility uh, we might have a conversation about? Oh, we, we absolutely will. Okay. You right. know, uh, uh, cool. and in, in fact, we'll probably have that conversation uh, whether or not I seek re-election. Because even if I sought re-election, I, I wouldn't. The voters could, if they were mad about it, they could get. I wouldn't get any increase in my salary, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. unless I had to face the voters first. Yeah. Um, But that is definitely a a conversation that should really have been had decades ago. This this has not been a $12,000 a year job, if it ever really was. Yeah. All right. Um, Well, uh, an hour goes fast when we're chatting about stuff. Uh, is there anything big that you feel like um, you really wanted to talk about or any closing thoughts or anything like that on the um, topics we've been Well, no, I, I'm, I'm just glad that you're doing this and glad that you're involved. And I hope that uh, if any of your listeners want to get involved more, please contact me. Please, oh, you can do that at City Hall or come to one of my mayor's open houses. Again, 430 to 530 on Friday before a regular city <laughs> council meeting. Um, and if you've got any ideas or problems, I can't solve problems if I don't know they're happening. Mm-hmm. Great. So, again, thank you so much because I think the, the more information that people have, the better community we'll have. All right. Great. So uh, two more questions for you. One sure. is uh, something that we're starting up here doing with people is to ask about other people you know of who are doing big things in, in Bloomington Normal. I know as mayor, it's probably hard to choose because you're, you're aware of so many things that are going on. But um, – you know, maybe something that you've seen recently that somebody's doing, like a nonprofit or a charity or something. Someone you'd like to sure. call out and encourage people. Well, to look One into is more. the uh, the the new boys and girls club on the west side, which is going to that we have given the boys and girls club that is we the city of Bloomington uh, have given them part of Sunnyside Park for a dollar, so that they can raise private funds and they're they're building a new facility there and that is really going to be a, a critical critical improvement for frankly the entire community in this but especially the the kids on the west side of Bloomington that quite frankly have been largely neglected by our city in terms of parks and recreation facilities over the last couple of generations or even the last generation okay. and so I I definitely like to call out the Boys and Girls Club. All right. Well, in the show notes, I'll put the hours of your open house, uh, email so that people get in contact with you, and then I'll also put the Boys and Girls Club, um, some information in there so sure. people can go and, and link to them. So thanks for doing that. And uh, last question, I believe this is your first time in Play Normal Esports? It's not. It's my second. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I've, I've not okay. been back here, oh, okay. but I've been right. to Play Normal Esports. Yes, and, and, of course, I also know... Uh, you know, Terry from this other location. But okay. yeah, this is really cool. And this is a nice day out, right? Mm-hmm. And there, there's all kinds of action here that are ha- that, that's happening. So if anybody is saying, hey, I don't know what to do in Bloomington or Normal today, uh, this is a fantastic 
spot. Yeah. And I think it is a, a great place. And if you have a crack on your cell phone or you have other things that you need to have re- repaired, make sure you come over here and talk to Terry and he will handle it. Well, that's the official endorsement from uh, Mayor Renner of uh, Play Normal Esports here. Uh, there's, check out their website. They have a lot of stuff going on. Well, they got uh, gaming parties, video game leagues, tournaments, lock-ins, all kinds of stuff. So check them out on PlayNormalEsports.com and come visit them on 802 South, South Eldorado Road in Bloomington. And I think we are done. Thanks a lot for coming in, Terry. Thank Appreciate you. it. Awesome, Tyson. Take care. <laughs>